it going, punky peeps? Did you have a good weekend? I did. You know, I had a good weekend. On Saturday, Jeremy and I took his mother out for a belated Mother's Day gift. Remember, um, I think it was a week or so ago, I told you she had to work on Mother's Day, which I don't think she's ever had to do. Um, so we took her out to Red Robin. Both Jeremy and I got the A1 burger. Um, I actually was undecided about the, the A1 burger or it was a, um piece of crispy chicken between like two waffles which was limited time and the guys um the server said they didn't have it anymore and I'm like well that makes my decision that much more easier so I went with the A1 burger and so did Jeremy and I took a bite out of it and I'm like okay I'm gonna have to use my knife and fork for this which Jeremy also did um but before that we got one of those onion ring towers that we split between the three of us. I mean, we probably even could have done without maybe um, an appetizer or maybe maybe if we got in the mott sticks we wouldn't have been nearly as full. Because, <laughs> I mean, we, all three of us were just literally stuffed. I'm like, oh, I wish I brought my Pepto-Bismol with me because I am really. And then, you know, we have a, an hour car ride to get back home. So, um, yeah, I'll just, I think they make Pepto-Bismol in the little, uh, chalky tablets. I might have to invest in some of those. So, um, also, you know how Red Robin, if you go there, they have the bottomless fries, where if you, you know, eat yours, they'll keep giving you more. It's like, uh, we, we, we did not need any more fries. We just had what they gave us. Uh, definitely for, for what you, you get you know, a good amount for what you pay for, so, yeah, um, afterward, we went back to his mom's house and looked at, uh, old photo albums, it was nice, you know, again, you know, I've seen the photo albums before, you know, Jeremy as a baby and a little kid and a teenager, and there are even a few pictures of Jeremy and I back when we were dating, you know, back in 2003, almost 14 years ago. So that was, that was cool. I liked seeing that. On Sunday, Jeremy and I celebrated his birthday early because his birthday's actually tomorrow on the 23rd. And, you know, he's going to be working. I'm going to be working. Um, we ordered Pizza Hut. Which has been a birthday tradition of his, even since before I knew him. He always got pizza. Whether it was, you know, Pizza Hut or Jets or Hungry Howie's or wherever else he would go. Domino's. Um, but we each ordered a pizza and we got the boneless spicy garlic wings, which were good. They're kind of small, though. For being boneless. Um, we got the Italian cheese breadsticks. And apparently they serve fries now at Pizza Hut. So we ordered some of those uh, Cajun fries for home. So they delivered that. <laughs> and so we, we still, Jeremy got a large pizza. And I got a medium, of course. And then we just, uh, let's just say I got uh, lunch for the next couple days. I just actually just had a couple pieces of pizza. Um, for lunch, just, because I have my lunch right around 10. I know Jeremy says, well, who eats lunch at 10 in the morning? I'm like, well, I do. <laughs> um, on the weekends, I wait till 11 because we have lunch together. Um, I also got to try some new foods. Hershey's, uh, the chocolate bar, has got a, uh, cherry cheesecake bar, which we both tried. I mean, I liked it. Um, also, Payday has a barbecue bar. I have not tried that yet. I'll let you know how it is. Um, and I found at Walmart, I found some really awesome stuff at Walmart. Uh, cannoli chips, which I really like. They come in flavors like powdered sugar and cinnamon and sugar. I have only tried the powdered sugar ones. And also, uh, Belgian Boys Waffle Cookies, which I think they're okay. Those I probably won't buy again. But, um, I also finished the book, Always and Forever, Lara Jean by Jenny Han. That was the third and final book in the To All the Boys I've Loved Before trilogy. And I am now halfway through Windfall, which is another YA contemporary, and this is by Jennifer E. Smith. It's about, um, this girl, she buys her 
best friend a lottery ticket. She, like, picks the numbers and the Powerball number and matches every single one of them. And he wins because there's three winners. The jackpot was, like, over $400 million, And he won, like, 100 and. 40 some million dollars so it's a good book you know i like the idea of seeing you know someone win the lottery and kind of the outcome and how that all plays out so it's going okay right now i i really enjoy it so if you guys like ya you know young adult contemporaries or something i really love ya books maybe even more so than adult books now um, alright, so last week I posted a trivia question for the episode Dog Doe Afternoon, and that question is, what is the new flavor at Irving's Unnatural Ice Cream? One listener got the trivia answer correct, it was pork sausage. I'm giving a shout out to Kendra Michelle on Instagram. I am making you an honorary punky peep of the week. Thank you again, Kendra Michelle, and I look forward to you play answering some more trivia questions in the future. All right. Stay tuned to the end of the podcast, for I will be revealing next week's trivia question for Season 1, Episode 11's Bye Bye My, which I will also post on my Punky Power social media sites like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. All right, guys, let's get this Monday started. I know you don't want to hear that. Eh, Monday, gross. I know. I got to go to work today. Uh, but the bright side is next Monday. What is it? It's Memorial Day. Yeah! I'm so excited of not having to work <laughs> and getting paid for the, getting the holiday pay, too. All right, guys. Today, I will be reviewing Season 1, Episode 10 of Punky Brewster, entitled Dog Doe Afternoon, which I think is a play on the movie Dog Day Afternoon, I think. I'm guessing. This episode aired on December 2nd, 1984, so we are approaching the end of 1984. I would have been two. It would have been my second Christmas. Okay, <clears throat> well, Punky and Cherry start a dog grooming business so that they can help make ends meet in their respective homes. This episode begins in the kitchen. We have Henry and Brandon at the kitchen table. I think it is so cute seeing Brandon sitting at the table drinking tea out of a mug. Oh, so cute. Henry's going over his bills, gas, electric, telephone, and veterinarian. So he is taking Brandon to the vet for checkups. He is such a good doggy daddy. Way to go, Henry, for taking care of your pooch. Well, Punky's pooch, right? Um, Henry's got an adding machine, and he's adding up, you know, gas, electric, all this stuff. And looking at the total amount, his eyes bug out of his head. Let's see. This all adds up to... Uh, bankruptcy. Well, you know, taking care of a child does get expensive. I mean, I wouldn't know myself. I don't have any human children. I have my fur kids, Quinn and London. I mean, for a cat and a rabbit, they really, they don't cost a whole lot. I mean, I feed my cat, you know, I feed Quinn the little fancy feast, um, wet can, wet food out of the can. And uh, occasionally give her a little dry food at night. And for London, I just get him bedding. I get him... His rabbit food actually costs, because it's Oxbow rabbit, adult rabbit food, it costs right around, like, 12, 13 bucks for, like, a four or five pound bag. That That does get expensive. Whereas Quinn's food, I only get her seven cans, you know, one for every day of the week before I get groceries again. And those probably cost, I think, together, unless they're on sale, they probably cost about 4 or $5. So, but, you know, they're worth it. They're my, to me, they're my kids. I, I take care of them. I want to make sure that they're, they're good, they're healthy. That's why I take them to the vet. Quinn is actually due for her blood analysis next month in June. 
And I know that's not going to go over well because she turns into a wild feral cat whenever I have to take her to the vet. I'm so happy she doesn't have to go that often. So I just pray that her blood analysis, every, uh, everything is working properly. Everything comes back good. So, yeah. All right. Well, Henry pulls the tea bag out of Brandon's mouth and tells him it'd be nice if Brandon started earning his keep around here. Brandon hops out of the chair and through the doggy door and then comes back with the newspaper. Henry looks down at him in surprise. Well, now, that's a start. Now look in the, now look in the want ads, he tells him gruffly. Henry walks into the living room as Betty comes and tells Henry, comes in and tells Henry she has a wonderful surprise for him. I, um, I want to apologize here. If you hear me sniffling and whatnot, I don't know if I have allergies. I mean, I've never had allergies before in my life, but this is, uh, I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's springtime. Maybe I am getting allergies. I have no idea. He's, uh, Henry's like, you're moving? He says, hopefully. Betty looks at him, rolling her eyes, and says, Henry, will it kill you to show a little common courtesy? Probably not, but why take chances, he tells her. Betty takes a spray bottle and starts to spray it in the air as she says, Why, I do believe it's starting to rain. Fortunately, we have two little girls who are prepared for bad weather. Punky and Sherry come in dressed in their rain gear. I love how uh, Punky's raincoat... Oh, hold on a second. It's bright and yellow, and Cherry's looks good, too, dressed in a sky-blue raincoat. She's also got a matching umbrella with hers. Now, I remember having a little, you know, umbrella when I was probably about her age. Let me tell you, those things do not hold up in rain and wind. It... The wind will literally, like, pull the umbrella inside out, and then you're left with a broken umbrella. They don't make those things to last, I don't think. But then again, that can happen with a regular adult size umbrella, too. That Someone needs to, like, invent an umbrella that can withstand, like, any type of weather, literally. Like, tornado, hurricane, any of that stuff. <clears throat> Henry claps in appreciation, and Punky asks him if he likes their outfits. Punky's raincoat looks a little big on her in the front, so, I mean, that way she can wear it for longer, you know? She gets a little taller, you know, bigger, whatever, you know? It'll last a little longer. Henry pulls the tag on Punky's rain hat and gapes at the price. Her raincoat costs $18? Henry asks Betty incredulously. Eighteen dollars for just for the hat, she corrects him. Are you kidding me? Why doesn't this is me saying this? Are you kidding me? Why doesn't it come with the outfit? Do you know of any raincoats that don't already have a hood attached to them? Why would they be separately? They should technically come with the outfit. I remember, you know, if I can find my picture of me and my raincoat, which I'm going to look for today, I'm going to post it next to Punky's on Instagram so you guys can see. Mine was a Winnie the Pooh one. It was really nice. Um, I really like the fabric and everything. Or, not the fabric, but the texture. Um, so if I find it, I'm going to post it because I think it's really cute. I do remember wearing that raincoat when it was raining and my sister and her friend, we were all work walking up the dirt road behind our house. So I, I do remember wearing that once. Um, the whole outfit was 74, Betty tells him. What was the going rate back in 1984? Okay, um, when I researched this, when I was doing my notes, I looked at Target.com and their chi children's raincoats were probably well under... 50 bucks. You know, maybe it was high because they live in Chicago. $74, Henry grumbles. That's right, Betty tells him, hands on her hips. You told me not to buy junk. You said the better the quality, the longer it'll last. At this price, it better last until she graduates from college. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's me laughing at him. He was not laughing when he said that. He was pretty not happy. 
How often do kids wear raincoats nowadays? Um, aside from just wearing a regular coat. Do you really see many kids wearing raincoats nowadays? I, I, I don't. I mean, when I go shopping and stuff, it's rainy. If there's a kid there, I don't see him wearing a raincoat. Punky asks Henry if she and Cherry can test out their outfits by standing in the shower. I standing in the shower. That's that's gonna ruin it. I mean, you're basically standing under something that is giving a full, strong spray. Rain wouldn't be like that unless it was a heavy torrential downpour. Um, no, that's brand new rain gear. I don't want it getting wet. Henry informs her. Punky turns to Cherry, telling her they'll go to her room and do a rain dance, and they run off making Indian sounds. Henry tells Betty he owes her 74 N to be sure and remind him. He's like, oh yeah, just like, <laughs> like she's gonna, fr nice try, Henry, you're not getting out of pain. Like, oh yeah, just, just remind me. It's like, uh, no, you are paying for that. <laughs> um, Henry, Punky's outfit is C-O-D, cash or die, Betty tells him. <laughs> I love her wit and humor. I think that is so funny. Someone should try and use it the next time someone goes to borrow money and says they'll pay you back. Like, uh, no, that's a C-O-D, cash or die. <laughs> Henry tells her he'll write her a check as they walk into the kitchen, and he asks if, you know, she'll be able to do him a favor and hold it off, hold off till de depositing it on Monday. Which, um, you know, I understand that too, you know, she's like, yeah, oh sure, I understand. You know, people, like, they want them, like, say they're getting paid on Friday or something like that, and they don't have the money in their account. But that way, just hold it till Monday, and then that way the check clears so you're not being overdrawn. He asks her for the total amount, and she informs him it's $74.16. He tells her it'll make it out for $74.25, and she asks, well, how come? Just a little something for your trouble. He smiles back at her. Betty just rolls her eyes and says, Gee, now I can buy that summer house on the lake. I love their quips so much. Henry and Betty discuss their financial problems of raising young children. Henry's watching every penny and worries about how soon she will grow out of this outfit and need a new one. I'm wondering, did Punky come with many clothes when she came to live with Henry? Or did he have to buy her a whole new wardrobe? Maybe he could buy her clothes a size or two too big and then the last longer as she grows into them. You know, I don't have kids, so I'm sure that isn't how it works. But, you know, it was just a thought. Betty tells him she understands because when she bought a pair of shoes for Cherry, she outgrew them on the way home from the store. Really? Wow. I didn't know kids' feet could grow that fast. It sounds like a bit of an exaggeration, but I bought myself some new shoes last um, year for work. And I don't really wear them because they feel tighter on my feet, even though when I did try them on in the store they and uh, walk around a bit, they fit fine. You know, they had the memory. F They're uh, Rika shoes. They have memory foam. But yeah, it's just... They're really tight on my feet, and I don't understand why. You know, I mean, at my job, I'm on my feet in one place literally for, like, at least eight hours a day. I mean, there's, like, I get a two 10-minute breaks and a 20-minute break every two hours, and it's just... That does a number on your feet. I won't be surprised if down the road I have issues with my feet. But, um, yeah, it just... And for what I pay, you know, I went to shoe carnival. Those shoes weren't cheap. Just so I can have something that would provide me with, you know, some relief. Henry makes a joke about how the Chinese got it right with binding, with the, them binding their feet. Let me tell you, I looked this up after he said that. I wanted to know what binding their feet meant. And literally, oh my gosh, the pictures of those poor feet and those poor people, those poor girls, if they're doing that to children... 
I'm never gonna get those images out of my head. I mean, I'm still picturing them as I'm saying this right now. That was really, really unsightly. Thanks a lot, Henry. Thank you very much for putting those images in my head. Punky and Cherry come out of her room and overhear Henry talking about how much the cost of raising Punky is practically breaking the bank. He didn't realize raising her would be so expensive, and since she moved in, his utilities have skyrocketed. Punky and Cherry exchange looks of shock and hurt. Also, when he lived alone, he could economize in winter by only heating one room. Betty tells him she remembers how cold the place was, that it felt like an icebox, and Henry tells her he also saved by unplugging the refrigerator. Well, let me see here. Did he do this every night and then plug it back in the morning? In, in the morning? He must have not kept much in there that would spoil, like, milk and stuff if he got too warm. Betty goes on to the price of food and how much... As much as Cherry eats, Betty will have to have her paycheck since she the market. Henry tells her how much Punky goes through a half a gallon of milk a day. What is she using it on? A bowl of cereal and a glass of milk doesn't add up to a half a gallon. Henry says how, um, how a half a gallon of milk used to last him at least two or three months. Oh, gross. His whole apartment would reek to high heaven. Punky and Cherry hear this and make a face. Now, my dad was a real stickler. I believe I did say this in the Lost and Found episode. That my dad was a real stickler when it came to groceries. He didn't like the bill to go over $60 when it was just me and him living together. However, I could talk him into getting me a Teen Beat or a Bop magazine when I was 13 or 14 when they cost about three ninety-nine. I don't even think those magazines are even um, in circulation anymore. Also, my dad would always have the furnace off in the morning and then he would turn it on when he got home from work after four. So I, it was always cold in the house. Don't even get me started on the phone bill. My friend Barbara, who I met in sixth grade, moved to Greenville after the school year ended, which is about maybe a half hour to 45 minute drive from where I lived. You know, I didn't have a way to really go and see her back then. I couldn't drive myself. My dad was working and everything like that. And long distance was expensive. So I had to limit how often I called her and how long we talked. I was happy when she moved back closer, you know, when she moved back to Lowell, my hometown, our freshman year of high school. According to Betty, she found out it costs a person $120,000 to raise a child from birth to 18 years of age. Is that just food and clothing, not college too? Now this is according to 1984 times. Let me see if I can find out how much it would cost in, in 2017. So I did my research, and according to the website for CNN, it would be double that now. It'd be $233,000. But how many kids are living with their parents past the age of 18 if they go to college close to home? Would they be paying rent, utilities, buying their own food, paying their own car insurance? I lived at home until I was 19 when I moved into my own place. I didn't have to pay rent when I lived at home because I was 18 when I started my senior year of high school. And I wasn't working at the time, so, um, yeah. But I did have to pay my own car insurance when I did have a job. At hearing this, Henry leans back in his chair with a frightened look on his face. But Betty assures him, because he got punky when she was eight... She'll only cost him a measly $80,000. Which, back in the 80s, you could probably buy a new house with that amount of money. Henry adds that he spent many a sleepless night wondering how he'll make ends meet. Well, welcome to single parenthood, Henry. Nowadays, you need to have a two-income household to make ends meet. Unless one person has a job like a doctor or a lawyer who one person can afford to stay home. Back in the 80s, a woman could probably afford to stay home while her husband worked. But if you look at the 80s TV show sitcom Roseanne, that was a middle-class family, a uh, blue-collar family. 
that both people had to work to make ends meet and raise three kids. Here, it's just Henry and Punky, but I can't imagine he's making enough on his freelance photography work to support the both of them. Punky and Cherry head back to the room and discuss some possible solutions to this financial dilemma. Punky and Henry bulk over the amount of $80,000, and Punky mentions how that's almost a million. Well, not quite. They hop up onto the windowsill and scooch over to the sides. I was worried they were going to sit in the windowsill itself that doesn't have a screen in it being held around the second floor. If they were to lean back too far, that could end badly. Who decides to appear in the window? Why, it's Alan! We, have this guy, we haven't seen this guy since the Parents' Night episode a bit ago. He decides to be funny and put on a scary devil mask to scare the girls, but they're not buying it. They both say, hey, Alan, and look away. Didn't my mask scare you? He says. What mask? Cherry quips. Very funny, he says, and they help him inside. Punky asks him what he's doing there, and Alan tells him he has big news. Really? Punky and Cherry say together, walking over to him. Yeah, Irving's unusual ice cream just got in a new flavor. Pork sausage! Oh, ew. Ew. I don't know if I'd be down for that. That's, be, that's me. Punky and Cherry make grossed out faces. I'm going to order a double link, Alan tells them. What a goof. Love you, Alan. I love you, love you, love you. You are such a sweet, goofy little guy, and I love you guys as a threesome. You're awesome. They're all, they're such a trio. Alan asks them each to get to get a dollar from Henry and Betty so they'll have two dollars to spend. Clever, Alan. So what, you pay nothing? <laughs> Cherry rolls her eyes at this and Punky tells him there is no way she's asking money for Henry for money ever again. Alan tells her he'll ask Henry for her and Punky pulls him back informing him of the conversation they overheard between Henry and Betty about how expensive the girls are to raise. Cherry tells him they cost $80,000. Alan says, My parents can't afford that much. They must have gotten me on sale. Punky clarifies that it costs that much to raise them until they reach the age of 18. Alan crosses his arms and says how his parents must be holding out on him because he only gets <clears throat> Excuse me. He only gets a quarter a week. Wow, when I was in my early teens, I think I got five bucks a week for an allowance. But, you know, I had to do stuff like vacuum, wash dishes, clean the house, all that stuff. Alright, I am going to play this clip of the kids discussing their parents and their financial woes because it really shows the kids really caring and realizing just how hard their parents work to try to keep them taken care of. So I'll play this first clip, which I entitled Kids Discuss Money and Parents. And I will be right back. I feel awful. I never realized how much money I'm costing Henry. Yeah, I never knew my grandma worried about money. I just figured her job paid her enough for everything. My dad complains about money all the time. Every month, he asks my mom for buying something expensive. Then, after she cries her brains out, he goes out and buys her something even more expensive. I can't believe how selfish I've been. I went to stay here with Henry, but I never stopped to realize how much money it was costing him. Take, take, take. That's all I do. Well, I'm not going to be a tree lover anymore. I'm going to find a way to pull my own weight around here. How are you going to do that? I don't know, but I'll think of something. <clears throat> In the next scene, we see Punky go to Midvale Bank and Trust. We are introduced to Oliver Green, the vice president, played by Earl Bowen. Or it's B O E N, so I'm not. I think Bone Bone. I don't know. Who might look familiar to those that have seen the first three Terminator movies? He played the psychiatric evaluator. Well, you can definitely tell it's the 80s. Just look at those big glasses he's wearing. He's just leaning back in his chair and playing with his Newton's Cradle or Executive Ball Clicker. It must be a slow day there. 
I'm guessing this is a weekend because Punky would be in school otherwise. There's a knock on the door and Mr. Green sits up straight and hides his Newton's cradle below his desk. Punky comes in and immediately Mr. Green has a frown on his face realizing that it's just a child. He asks Punky if he can help her and she tells him yes, that she'd like to borrow $80,000. He pulls off his glasses in complete shock, his mouth agape. He asks her to repeat herself, and she tells him again she'd like a loan for $80,000. Mr. Green starts to chuckle at her absurd request, thinking it's just a joke. He buzzes his secretary, Miss Taylor, on the intercom to come and send Punky away. After he calls repeatedly to Miss Taylor, Punky reveals that she sent her to lunch. Mr. Green just looks at Punky in astonishment and asks, who are you? <laughs> she gives him her card, which he reads, Pun Brew, and he flips the card over. Keister? He finishes. She tells him she ran out of room, so she had to continue on the other side of the card. That's me, Punky Brewster, she introduced herself. Well, I'm Oliver Green, and you've brightened my day. Now get out, as he clo throws her card back at her across the desk. I have to leave? She asks, hurt and surprised. He tells her yes. He's a very busy man, as he shows her to the door, pushing her out of it. As he heads back to his desk, she comes back through the door again. <coughs> she asks him if this is Midvale Bank and Trust, the one on TV they call the Friendly Bank. He tells her yes, and she tells him how he's not being very friendly to her. And he informs her that he, she is in the vice president's office and the friendly people are downstairs and that she should talk to them. And maybe she can go home with a free toaster. You know, I'd like a free toaster. We've had our toaster. We got it as a wedding gift and we've had it for about 10 years. But it still works when we use it. <laughs> she comes back through the door again and tells him she's already got a toaster. She really needs $80,000. Heading back to his desk, desk, sorry, I don't know where that came from, <laughs> he asks how she plans to pay back a loan that large. She tells him with her allowance and that if she cuts down on chocolate milk at school, she can pay him back 10 cents a week. Oh my gosh. Mr. Green calculates the numbers and tells her it would take 15,000 years to pay that amount back. She tells him, maybe by then she'll be a rodeo rider or an astronaut, and I can pay you back a dollar a week. He informs her that they only loan money to working and financially stable people. So you only lend money to people who already have it? That's weird. Why don't you lend money to people who really need it? Punky asks Mr. Green, trying to understand how loans work. Because then we'd have to worry about them paying it back, he tells her. Mr. Green gets up from his desk, walking over to Punky, asking her what she plans to do with the money. <coughs> she says, raise me. Excuse me? He says, not quite understanding. Punky explains that she overheard her foster dad, Henry, saying how it will cost $80,000 to raise her until she reaches the age of 18, and how Henry works hard and she just wants to help him out. Wow, I really commend her for being so forthright. She's got such a good heart. She really, really does. Mr. Green gets down on her level and tells her that is the best answer anyone has ever given him for needing a loan. She jumps up asking where does she sign, but Mr. Green tells her even though, you know, it was a good reason, he just can't give her the money. Sadly, she tells him, well, I took a shot. As she begins to walk to the door, he stops her and tells her there might be a way to earn money and suggests maybe a job. She asks if there are any, any openings at the bank where she could sit in a chair and not give people money. Mr. Green tells her, well, that position is already filled, and suggests a lemonade stand, but she says it's too seasonal. She needs a steady income. What about selling cookies, he asks. I think there's a law that only Girl Scouts can sell cookies. Let me tell you about the Girl Scout cookies. I have experienced this year. I can't remember if I told you before, but out of my favorites, Toffee Tastic, which are $5 a box. They're really good. Love them. 
and the um, dosi dos, which are like the oatmeal with the peanut butter inside. I mean, I do like tagalongs. I love the thin mints, but I got a couple new favorites, and we have a Girl Scout headquarters here. So if I need to get some, I just shoot down that way, about fifteen twenty minutes away, and I I load up on them because they are good. And I'm I'm just waiting a little bit, maybe in another month or so, maybe I'll I'll get more. So um, also with lemonade stands, I thought I was talking to Jeremy about um. Whether, don't kids have to have, like, a business license or something? I, I thought they had to have, like, a, a permit or something I read a while ago. Like, it's just a lemonade stand. They're not trying to compete with Starbucks or any other place. Just let kids be kids. And have their, you know, and learn the value of a dollar. And, and making money. Why do you gotta make it seem like they're trying to open up a, a franchise or, or something like that. Just leave the poor children alone. Let them do their thing, you know? Right then, he gets a call from his wife saying he needs to take his dog to the groomer. And then Punky comes up with the idea of a dog grooming business. Mr. Green t- becomes her first customer when she tells him she charges probably about, you know, 10 bucks. Which, compared to whatever it costs now, I don't know how much it costs to, you know, bathe and clip and get your dog groomed. I'd say probably somewhere around, what, 40, 50 bucks? At, like, PetSmart and stuff? I l- honestly love, I, I love this man. He takes the time to come up with solution for jobs, like, job ideas. What a great guy. I mean, what other person would probably just shove her out the door and say, get the heck out of here? You know what I mean? No, I mean, he did a couple times at first, but then when he heard her reasoning for wanting that money, he's like, okay, I can't give you the money, but let's come up with a solution here. That is an awesome dude. That is an awesome guy. In the next scene, we see Punky on the phone with a customer, Mrs... Sabuchin, something like You know, when I spelled this, I thought, oh, don't worry. I'll be able to sound this out when I go to read it, you know, in the microphone. So she's telling her that she is running a special on puppy firms and that she'll pick up Fifi in a little while, ending the call and then hanging up the phone. I wonder how she got word out to people. Maybe flyers or calling up people in the phone book, perhaps? There's a knock at the door, and Punky opens it to find Cherry and Alan who come in. And Alan hands Punky his job application. Punky reads it aloud. Alan Anderson, age 8, salary, yes. At this, Punky looked at him skeptically as Alan nods his head excitedly. I really like how they cleaned up Alan's hair in this scene. Before, it was, like, really unkept and messy. And here it's more presentable, kind of combed off to the side. She tells him, for every dog you wash, you get 50 cents. Nothing doing. For every three dogs I wash, I get a dollar. Well, he is cutting himself out of 50 cents, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) As a child, I never had a job like that. When I was 12, I helped my grandpa run a stall at the Lansing City Market, selling fruits and vegetables. I had to get up at 6 a.m. in the summertime and was there from, like, 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. And seriously, it was a long day, especially when you weren't getting customers. It's like, time just dragged. It felt like it took hours to for five minutes to pass by. Um, I remember one time that I worked for him, I got 20 bucks, which is usually, I think, what you got. Maybe it depended on how hard you worked. Maybe my cousins got more. I don't know. Um, But I used it to buy the movie Titanic on VHS in 1998 when I was 16. Okay, she says, but only because you're a friend and they shake hands on it. Does Punky realize she just he just cheated himself out of 50 cents? Punky, uh, excuse me, Cherry, being the voice of reason, tells Punky that she's worried of being they have no experience grooming dogs. Punky assures her that it'll be just like running a beauty parlor. The only difference is their customers have fleas and their tongues hang out. Oh god, I hope they don't have fleas. Poor Brandon. <laughs> Speaking of, where is he? 
did she, they put him in his in her room kind of you know with all these dogs you know running around so they don't have any issues i don't know the upbeat music plays over a montage of Punky, Cherry, and Alan washing dogs in the sink, painting nails, braiding fur, which I think that is really comical. Punky's washing a St. Bernard in a metal wash tub and has the dog wearing a pink shower cap. Next, we see Cherry washing a white terrier in the kitchen sink, which the dog jumps out of and shakes off all over the floor. That is going to be really blah with all that dog hair in that sink. That's where they wash the dishes. Oh, I noticed the kitchen sink is running at full blast. I wish our kitchen sink produced that heavy a flow of water. It doesn't. (laughs) Punky and Cherry are wearing their raincoats and Alan is wearing a garbage bag. And a black garbage bag over his shirt and goggles. Alan is using a toilet, what looks like a toilet scrub brush, or maybe like one of those um, kitchen um, glass brush type things, on a German pointer dog who has a leg in each bucket. That poor dog looks so uncomfortable. Cherry is helping Punky wash the St. Bernard in the metal tub, and the dog jumps out and shakes off. In the living room, Alan is brushing a Doberman while a white German Shepherd looks on. Then we see Cherry brushing that dog. Punky pulls out this giant metal comb the size of the length of her arm. Then we see Cherry use a big pink fuzzy puffball on a dog's face and the dog appears to have hoop braids. Alan's drying off what looks like an Irish wolfhound, and Punky is painting a small dog's nails. Next, we see an Airedale with curlers and a hairnet. Cute. Cherry is showing it a magazine, and we see a salon-style hairdryer above the dog's head. We see a group shot of the dogs with bows, and the Doberman is wearing a tie. (laughs) That is so adorable. So there's a total of ten dogs, eight of which are in the living room. Punky, Alan, and Cherry stand back praising their work, saying how happy their customers will be. There's a knock at the door, and the kids all tense up. Punky asks, who is it? And it's just Eddie. They all let out a sigh of relief. He informs them that Henry is coming up the stairs, and Alan pipes up how he can help them groom the dogs. Punky tells him Henry's not supposed to know about what they're doing until after she raises the 80000 and then they turn to Eddie, asking him to stall Henry. Eddie tells him not to worry, and he closes the door. The kids huddle to form a plan. Henry, carrying a bag of groceries, just walks past Eddie, who asks if he can talk to him, and Henry says, No. Well, yeah, that that was pointless. Should have tried harder, Eddie. Should have tried harder. Punky's just sitting on the couch, whistling nervously to herself. Why didn't she clear off the coffee table? Of course, when Henry comes in, what's the first thing he asks? What's all this? Punky tells him she and Cherry were playing beauty parlor and tells him to sit on the couch and she'll give him a pedicure. Ugh, I don't know. Old man feet. I don't know about that. (laughs) He tells her later, first he's got to put the bag of groceries away, and she tells him no. And he looks at her surprised. No? He he asks. She tells him to sit down because he looks tired, and she'll put the groceries away. As he goes to put his scarf and coat away in the closet, the phone rings, and he picks it up. Of course, it's a customer asking if their dog is ready, and Henry tells the customer there's no dog there by the name Poopsie. Poopsie. Oh gosh, what kind of name is that? Does it has anyone ever named their dog Poopsie? They're not trying very hard. And we see the St. Bernard wearing a fishing hat coming come out of the closet and walk out the door. Punky pops up between the two halves of the swinging door leading to the kitchen and grabs her head in frustration. Punky goes over to Henry, pulling him over to sit down on the couch. And he sits down only to shout and leap up in agony, pulling a studded dog collar from the seat of the couch. Excuse me. She takes it from Henry and tells him, Oh, this? It's a bracelet, but I'm taking it back. It's too big. He asks her what's going on around here, and she asks, Here? As in the world? It's like, here? Like, as in the world they live in? Or here? As in their home. 
From the hallway, we see Cherry and Ellen pulling out two dogs, trying to sneak past behind the couch to the door. As Henry turns his head in the direction of Cherry and Ellen, Punky puts her arms around his neck, telling him, that's silly, and she kisses him on the cheek. But he's on to her, saying, you're hiding something from me. A dog starts barking from the kitchen, and Henry asks if that's Brandon. She tells him, of course, who else would it be? Henry asks her if he, she's feeding him steroids. Because that dog has got a large, loud bark. The white German Shepherd comes through the dog door and has this huge, large, huge, loud bark that startles both Henry and Punky as they both cringe. Punky goes over to the dog, petting him, telling Henry that the dog followed her home from school and can she keep him? Which makes me ask where, like I said, where has Brandon been this whole time? Shut away in Punky's room? How did those dogs all get along so well without fighting or doing unmentionable things? Henry tells her, certainly not. We don't have room for a dog that size. After he says this, a small dog appears in the hallway and Punky asks him, what about a dog that size? Finally fed up, he asks, what kind of doggy craziness is this? Punky finally comes clean and tells him that she started a dog grooming business and the dogs are her first customers. Henry tells Punky that she's turned the, the apartment into a kennel and she had no right to let those dogs in here without his permission. And tells her the dogs have to get out as he opens the door. Cherry and Alan, who have clearly been listening at the door, fall forward onto the floor. Alan tells Henry, Hi. And Henry asks him how long he's been listening, and he says, ever since I was born. <laughs> Cherry tells Henry that they came to help with the dogs, and Henry tells them they can help by getting the dogs out of there, and Punky lifts up the flap to the dog door and tells the dogs to abandon ship. And they all hop out, leaving the apartment. Cherry and Alan head out to the dogs to take the dogs home. Punky has a sad look on her face, and Henry tells her she's in big trouble. She says she shouldn't have done it, and tells him she'll get her stuff. She seems to always play this card, I noticed, when she goes to get her stuff and leave. I mean, is this really, she's like, I'll get my stuff as in, I'm a burden, I'm gonna save you the you know, the the money and everything by just leaving. Or is she... Is this kind of like a, a guilt trip? Like, if I say this, he'll go easy on me. Because, you know, she's she's done this quite a bit of times. I mean, this is episode 10, and she's done this at least three or four times. Or maybe, you know, I could very well be being too hard on Punky. I understand... She's been abandoned and stuff like this. And this seems like her go-to move whenever things get tough. And she feels like it's better off if I just go and relieve Henry the, of the responsibility of taking care of me. Okay, I'm going to play this clip between them where they talk about financial responsibilities and how Punky is not a burden on him. It seems like the episodes always end with a heart art a heart-to-heart -heart conversation, which I do love very much. It sends a great message to people, you know, families, parents to children, and I, I think it is so wonderful. So I'm going to play that clip, and I will be right back. I know. I shouldn't have done it. That's right. I guess the best thing would be I just pack my stuff and left. Hold it. You can't just leave. Why not? That would be the best thing. I wouldn't be a burden on you anymore. Burden? Yeah, that's what I am. You've been taking care of me, and I haven't done anything to help. Here. What's this? The money I earn from my business. Eighty dollars here. I'm sorry, it's not the eighty thousand I owe you. Eighty thousand? Yeah. 
I heard you and Mrs. Johnson saying that's how much it would cost to raise me. Oh. I see. Punky, let's sit down. I want you to know that you never have to worry about money. That's not your job, it's mine. Your job is to go to school and to have fun and to be a little girl. I'm so expensive. You're worth every penny I spend on you. You're not expensive. You're priceless. Thanks, Henry. After their talk, Henry suggests they go into the kitchen for a nice steak dinner. But just then, Brandon comes through the doggy door, okay, with the steak in his mouth, and Punky tells Henry that they should just order pizza. So, has Brandon been in the kitchen the whole time? Did he sneak in there when all those dogs were in there? I'm not sure. But, that is the end of the episode. So... What time is it, everybody? Time for my Brandon Tailwag rating. What am I going to give this one? I think I'm giving it five Brandon Tailwags. One, for Mr. Green's suggestion to Punky for how to get money by starting a business. I really liked that he took the time to help her, like I said earlier. For the dog wash slash groom montage, all the kids in raincoats, well, I mean, Alan was in his garbage bag, <laughs> and the do- and um, his uh, goggles, and the dogs causing chaos in the kitchen. What a blast. I bet the kids had fun with that scene. I loved, number three, I loved the scene of Henry and Brandon at the kitchen table with Brandon drinking tea out of the cup and Henry telling Brandon to make himself useful and he gets the paper. Number four, Alan telling Cherry and, or Punky and Cherry about Irving's unusual ice cream flavor, pork sausage. That just sounds like Alan to like a flavor like that. I wonder if we ever hear about this place again. Number five, Punky and Henry's heart to heart, how she feels like a burden because she costs too much to take care of, and he tells her she is priceless. Because, of course, she is. Alright, let's move on to Punky's Principles. What I learned from this episode. I learned that kids should stay kids for as long as they can. Have fun. Hang out with friends. Learn new things. Discover new interests. Go on adventures. Use your imagination. Don't worry about the trivial things like money that's your parents' job. Because... Guys, kids, you only have so many years of make-believe and childlike wonder before adulthood comes. Why do you think adults long for their younger years? Because you only get one childhood. So make it the best that you can and just live your life to the fullest. Don't be afraid. You know, don't be afraid to try new things. Be yourself also do not let anyone try to put you in a corner don't let them try to put you in the box if you like goofy things don't be scared don't be ashamed of that be you and be happy to be you all right guys that is for my punky principles all right As always, guys, I want to give you all a sincere thank you, all you listeners out there, whether you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or any other listening platforms. I love giving you episode recaps of Punky Brewster every week, joining me as I go into full detail describing her many adventures and shenanigans with Henry, Brandon, and her friends, as well as my occasional running commentary and childhood stories. Now, let's give all you new listeners out there a shout-out of welcome. It's time for Punky Peeps Around the World. Alright, how about let's say a hey, hello to some new international listeners for this week. We have Mintho, Australia. I feel bad if I, you know, I'm going to just say this straight out. 
If I accidentally butcher your city, I apologize a million times over. San Salvador, El Salvador. Bonnie Rig, Australia. Those were my international listeners for the week. Now, let's move on to some U.S. listeners. We have Westfield, Indiana, St. Louis, Missouri, Dallas, Texas, Westerville, Ohio, Santa Monica, California, and Mountain View, California. All right, let's see what other people have to say about Punky Brewster. Courtesy of IMDb, here is a user review. Great rewatching with your own kids. From Canada, November 29th, 2006. November 29th is my mother's birthday. Well, was her birthday. I grew up on this show. I remember putting my hair in pigtails right before it started. And I don't know how many times I was punky for Halloween. I have bought the seasons to watch with my daughters and they love it. I watch my 10-year-old when when we watch it and it is so... Neat to see her love it the way I did. It's a good learning show for kids as well. Spoiler, Punky learns to say no to drugs in season two. Gets a lesson on cheating, lying, stealing, and much, much more. Guys, this is all spoiler alert for season two, I'm letting you know. We're going to dive. Once we get to season two, probably closer to the end of, you know, August... We're going to get into some heavier topics for season two. They're really going to they're gonna jump out there with, with these and really hit it hard with these important topics. So stay tuned, all right? Just keep listening. You're going to be hearing some good, good stuff down the road, too. Um, where did I leave off in this review? Okay. It also shows a lot to do with family and the love of other people. Punky came a long way after her mother leaves her, and it shows that children of a not-so-good home life can overcome it all with love, friendship, and laughter. If you have young children and you like this show, it is just a good and funny rewatch with them, if not better. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I couldn't have reviewed it better myself. Thank you. This is a wholesome, beautiful, amazing show that you guys, new and old, young and old, watch this with your kids. You know, turn off the current, what's going on on TV right now, because you know, it's not nearly as good as what we grew up on, right? Why, you know... Get them back. Get them to see how great TV was. These wholesome, yeah, they may be corny. They have life lessons, but just this is a show your family can watch. There is nothing offensive in any way. There's no bad language. There's no inappropriateness. It's just good old fashioned funny scenarios and heartwarming moments. That's why I love this show. I, I, you know, I grew up watching it. I mean, I watched it back when it was in reruns and stuff like that. And, you know, I told you about the time when I was 13, 14, and my grandma would take me to visit my mom. And we all would watch, you know, the episodes of Punky Brewster. And it made me feel good looking back on it now (laughs) to be able to have that. To be able to... watch something with my mom and you know just it was an overall enjoyable wonderful wonderful memories so um next week i will be reviewing season one episode 11 entitled bye bye my which aired on december 9th 1984 Henry throws out Punky's worn-out old doll after the children's attempt to repair it fails. This upsets Punky, so Henry searches throughout the city to find it. Alright, just a heads up, next week's podcast episode, I will be revealing a couple surprises, so stay tuned. One is, I'm not going to really go into it, but one is very good, and the other one is just... It's kind of a change in the, in, in the up- upcoming lineup. I'm not going to tell you what that is right now, but just stay tuned for next week's episode, and I'll give you a heads up on that. 
it's just my own personal preference of, you know, how I like to do things. I just kind of don't want to deviate too far out of the norm for myself. All right. <clears throat> well, let's go on with the trivia question for Bye Bye My. What does Alan refer to Brandon as in the scene where they try to fix Punky's doll Mai? Here is a listener question as well. Did you ever try to fix a broken toy? Or did your parent throw away something that was important to you? Alright everybody, until next Monday. Until next time, Punky Peeps. Have a great week. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. The next episode will be up and ready to go for your Memorial Day. So celebrate your holiday with some Punky Brewster episode, right? Okie dokie. I'll see you next time, guys.